your disease doesn't run in your family is being held hostage. Listen, happy MLK Day. If you're listening to this on MLK Day, I have a message that I think you'll approve of. I want to talk briefly about epigenetics. I want to talk briefly about what lifestyle disease is and the true cause of it. All right, so let's squash some widely held beliefs today about chronic lifestyle diseases. Your disease does not run in your family, it's being held hostage. So what does this mean? A lot of times in, the, in my program, the individuals that I work with are older individuals. So in my program, Farm to Table, my plant-based coaching program, I'm coaching a lot of older individuals. And when I say older, like I'm in this group too, <laughs> but this group usually falls between the age of like 40 to 70. And a lot of my students who are trying to adopt a whole food plant-based lifestyle, when they enter the program, they're trying to adopt it to eradicate some very common lifestyle diseases and markers of inflammation. So this includes obesity, this includes high blood pressure, this includes high cholesterol, this includes type 2 diabetes, this includes includes chronic kidney failure, this includes fatty liver disease, this includes addictions to substances like salt, oil, sugar, caffeine. Um, this includes a lot of different health challenges. So a lot of my students that are work that I work with are trying to eradicate these health challenges. And what I hear a lot of times during our suitability interviews when they're applying for the program is they say, my mom died of heart disease. My dad had kidney failure. My, my aunt, my uncles, my cousins, you know, type 2 diabetes runs in my family. Obesity runs in my family. Here's a common one that most people don't, don't really think of a lot, but they say a lot, is depression and anxiety, right? My mom suffered from depression. My aunt suffered from anxiety. You know, my so-and-so suffered from bipolar, and I've been diagnosed with these conditions. So very common for a lot of the people we serve inside a farm to table to tell me during our suitability interview that they have these lifestyle diseases, these chronic diseases, and they're typically approaching the age where their parents or grandparents may have succumbed to that disease. Right. So I might get a, you know, 55 year old black woman in farm to table who has high blood pressure, high cholesterol. Maybe the doctor has told her that she's pre-diabetic. Her A1C is creeping up and she's at a point she's reached a point where she's nervous, like she can't go any further. She feels she has to do something about this, this condition. Maybe she's been overweight for years and it's finally starting to take a toll on her um, mental health and on her physical capability. So it's time to lose the weight. It's time to get off the blood pressure medication. It's time to get off the statins. It's time to eradicate these conditions. And what happens is they're, like I said, they're typically approaching that age where maybe a parent or a grandparent succumb to that disease and they're starting to get fearful in that season of life, okay? And they're ready to do something about it. And so they often attribute you know, their condition to their genetics. So one of the things that I want to clear up for you guys today is this concept of 
you know, hypertension, high cholesterol, type 2 diabetes, fatty liver disease, mood disorders running in your family is not really accurate. All right. Now, here's the small print and the caveat that we're going to get out of the way. There is a small portion of the population, a very small portion of the population for whom this is true, meaning they have high blood pressure or they have high cholesterol and there is a genetic disposition that pretty much says they're going to have elevated cholesterol or elevated uh, blood pressure, you know, for the duration duration of their life. It may or may not require medication, but there is a small segment of the population for whom a pre-existing genetic disposition is true and they can work their butt off and their blood pressure may never go down. However, that segment of the population is really, really small. And the majority of people who are dealing with these chronic health challenges, obesity, diabetes, is it's not a genetic condition. It's a lifestyle disease. So what that means essentially is you are suffering from a chronic health challenge as a result of your day-to-day behaviors or lack thereof, not because of what's in your DNA. Meaning it is not just the cards you were dealt. Having diabetes or being overweight wasn't always your fate. This is something that is a result of your day-to-day behaviors, what you eat, what you don't eat, how you move, how you don't move, what you drink, what you don't drink, your stress levels, all type of factors, right? Do you smoke? You know, do you drink alcohol? Like all of this um, is playing a role in whether or not you have this disease, these conditions, not your genetics. Now, this needs to be very clear because uh, what happens is there's typically three things that happens when people have chronic health challenges and they believe it's their genetics, all right? There's three things that is, that is a, happens as a result of this belief system and this mindset. The first is that we typically fail to take responsibility for our health status. If you believe that your health status is a result of your DNA, just your genetics, essentially what you're saying is these are the cards I was dealt. There's nothing I can do about it. It's out of my hands. So we fail to take responsibility then for overcoming it because it feels like it's useless. It's futile because this is my DNA. You know, this is these are this is my genetics. Like my mom had it. My granddad had it. My dad had it. I was going to eventually have it. So when we believe that our chronic health challenges are a result of genetics, typically we fail to take responsibility for healing. So then what does that lead to? When we fail to take responsibility for healing, we then begin to settle for a lower vibrational frequency of ourselves. We settle for a lower version of ourselves. And what that means is we're not living as optimal as we can be. Like you can be healthier. Like you could get that weight off. You can get that blood pressure down. You can get rid of those, you know, stomach and gut issues. You can get rid of those skin issues that's causing you all types of insecurity, right? Like you have the power to do something about it. But because you believe it's your genetics, you fail to take responsibility for having it in the first place, which means you've you've also decided maybe unconsciously or subconsciously to settle for a lower version, a lower vibrational frequency version of yourself. 
Now, what does that then lead to? When we don't take responsibility for our chronic health challenges, when we then settle for a lower vibrational frequency of ourselves, that then leads to number three, which is we, are, are, we deny or, and or delay obedience. We deny and or delay obedience. What does that mean? When you're obedient in your life, that means you are in alignment in your life. That means that everything you do that you do is aligned with your gifts, your purpose, your talents, and you're living up to the highest vibrational frequency of yourself. So if you have chronic disease in your body, um, if you have high blood pressure, if you have chronic kidney failure, if you have a fatty liver, then what that means is there's a portion there of your inside your body, your organs, part of you is operating at a very low vibrational frequency, which means you're more susceptible to illness, sickness, dysfunction, um, early uh, death, all of that. And when you and when your body and or your mind is at a lower vibrational frequency, you either deny or delay obedience because you can't do what you're called to do on this planet if you are consistently ill. Right. If you are consistently unwell and when you deny and or delay obedience, meaning you're out of alignment in your life, you don't feel good. You don't look good. You're not sleeping good. You're not thinking clearly. You're not making rational decisions because your body is out of balance. You are out of a state of homeostasis. So when you deny or delay obedience by being ill, that that also means that you are no longer magnetic and or attractive. And, and so then you begin to repel what you're looking to receive in life. You may be looking to uh, receive abundance. You may be looking for love, looking for the one. You may be um, looking um, for wondering why your business isn't taking off, why you're not getting that job or that role or that promotion that you want, like why you can't find peace in your relationships. Um, that that's literally that that's literally what happens when your vibrational frequency is low in your body. So let me tell you what I mean about this concept of magnetism. You know, um, let's stay on MLK. It's his birthday today. So one of the things that the majority of us really enjoy about Martin Luther King, regardless of how you feel about his personal life, regardless of how you feel about his flaws as a human being, one of the things that most of us really enjoy about Martin Luther King is um, his magnetism. When his speeches are infamous, because when he was giving his speeches and his talks, he was in a flow state. He was in a state of flow. And most of us are really attracted to individuals who are in flow. What that means is that Martin Luther King lived his life at a high state of obedience, right? He did what he was called to do on this planet, regardless of potential consequences, regardless of risk to himself or his family. He lived out his mission, his God intended mission. And watching Martin Luther King in that state of obedience is attractive, was attractive to a lot of us. We may watch film, we may, you know, hear speeches, watch documentaries, and we are attracted to people who are in their flow state, meaning watching people do what you know and they know they were called to do is really, really attractive. It's really, really magnetic. And so when we watch Martin Luther King give that I have a dream speech, when we watch him, you know, lead marches and all of these wonderful things, it was 
admirable. It was jaw-dropping. It was, you know, really magnetic to watch that. Think about maybe your favorite athlete, your favorite musician, seeing them live on stage. They are in their element and they are in their flow state. So what happens is when you don't take responsibility for your health, when you accept a lower vibrational frequency version of yourself, you deny or delay obedience, meaning you literally um, repel magnetism. When you are chronically ill and you don't do anything about it because you believe it's your genetics and your DNA and it's not your responsibility, you repel magnetism. So the abundance that you are seeking, the love that you are seeking, the connection that you are seeking, the dream job, dream business, dream career that you are seeking, right? Um, your ability to travel the world, the um, front-facing opportunities that you are seeking, meaning you don't, uh, as much as you want to, you resist getting up in front of people or get or leading that initiative at church or leading that initiative at your job because you don't love the body that you're in. Every time you fall back into the shadows because your health is more of a liability than it is an asset, you repel magnetism, you, you deny or delay obedience, which means you deny or delay what God in universe has for you. And, this, and, and it sounds like, whoa, you went really big and really far just to be coming from some high blood pressure. But I'm telling you, when the vibrational frequency in your body is lowered because you are not doing what you're supposed to be doing with, with regard to your health and being obedient to it, you literally become less magnetic to the rest of us. You literally are not in your flow state, meaning you're not in alignment with what you're supposed to be doing in your life. So you're disobedient and you repel all that you want to attract. You actually are working against the universe by being chronically ill. You repel all that you desire to attract. So you have to understand that I get that this chronic health challenge has been plaguing you, giving, you know, giving you the, the, taking you through the hoops and all of that. But you first and foremost to, to overcome it, have to take responsibility for it. It wasn't your grandpa. It wasn't your grandma. It wasn't your mom and dad. It wasn't your aunt and uncle. You know, you're not big boned it or whatever. I promise you this disease does not run in your family as being held hostage. And what exactly that means is, I'm going to end with this concept of epigenetics. You know, what has been discovered in the last several years in, you know, nutrition science and, you know, science and anatomy is this concept of epigenetics. Epi, the prefix epi literally meaning above the gene. Epi means above. So you have epi genetics above the gene. And what has happened in the last several years, last several decades, um, right around like the 1970s, we begin to discover that these chronic health challenges like type 2 diabetes and obesity and hypertension and chronic kidney failure and all of this is not a result of our DNA, but it's literally a result of our day-to-day -day habits, right? And so what we typically pass down to our offspring um, is not a fat gene, it's not a diabetes 
synthetic gene, we literally pass down the behaviors that cause the disease, meaning eating a bunch of processed foods and saturated fat and, you know, relying on convenience processed foods that's full of sugar, salt, and oil, uh, living a sedentary, a sedentary lifestyle, or even um, displaying um, this concept of only working to pay for liabilities as opposed to working and doing what you were called to do for a living. So we literally even passed down the trait of um, working a job to pay the bills and just doing what needs to be done as opposed to identifying what your gifts and talents are, um, trusting that the net will appear when you leap and doing what you're called to do. So we pass all of that down. So then we live a, a, live a life of high stress, unhappiness, you know, we live for liabilities as opposed to living to serve. When you are obedient, you are serving. When you're living for liabilities, you're just working a job that you feel like you have to work to keep the lights on. So we live for liabilities as opposed to living to serve. We pass down um, not prioritizing exercise, not prioritizing eating whole real foods from plant-based sources. We, you know, we pass all of this down. We, pa we pass down... Um, this belief system that behaviors should be uh, um, should be attached to food. Like every Thanksgiving, we gotta have turkey. We pass down traditions that cause disease. Every you know Easter, we have to have ham. That's what got passed down in your family. This belief system that we can't have a Thanksgiving without mac and cheese. That's what that's what got passed down. Not the hypertension. The hypertension is just a side effect of the belief system that we can't have Thanksgiving without mac and cheese. See, so disease doesn't run in your family. It's just being held hostage. The more you continue these unhealthy traditions and belief systems with your offspring, the more these chronic health challenges are health challenges are going to be a part of your lineage. So you actually have a great opportunity. If you're still living, you're alive, you're healthy, you have a great opportunity now to stop this crap in its tracks. Stop telling, you know, your younger children, your nieces and nephews that, you know, everybody in your family big, it's just the way it is. Or, you know, everybody, you know, six people got hypertension or uh, high cholesterol and we just need to, you know, get the drugs and manage it with medication. No, what you need to learn as a role model is how these lifestyle diseases can be eradicated through diet, through uh, no chronic stress, through um, living a life of fulfillment, um, through getting in therapy to address childhood trauma. That's the, that's the type of behaviors that need to be passed down. And epigenetics dictates that the next, you know, um, the next lineage, the next generation, should I say, of your lineage will not suffer from these conditions. These diseases do not run in your family. They're just being held hostage by outdated and antiquated belief systems. Okay, we don't have to have fried chicken and spaghetti at a baby shower. You don't have to have cupcakes and bottomless alcohol just because it's your birthday. Like we have to stop passing down these habits and these belief systems that eating junk, you know, um, skipping workouts, all of this stuff, or just taking any job that it take you because you got to pay bills, regardless of whether or not it's aligned with your gifts. We have to stop passing down these belief systems, these behaviors, and then the chronic disease will dissipate. The chronic disease will go away. Okay. So 
Again, when you adopt a belief system that the things that you are suffering from physically and mentally are a result of your DNA, the very first thing you do is elude responsibility. And when you elude responsibility, you then unconsciously settle settle for a lower vibrational version of yourself. And when you settle for a lower vibrational frequency version of yourself, you then begin to deny or delay obedience. And when you deny or delay obedience, essentially what you're doing is repelling in the universe everything that you're trying to attract. When you are unhealthy chronically and not doing anything to address it, that is a high form of disobedience. And that disobedience is going to cause you to lose your magnetism. Right. So the people that we are attracted to in the world, as we watch them in their flow state, as we watch them doing what like we know they were called to do, they are attractive. They are magnetic. And that magnetism is a result of their obedience. The reason you are not magnetic to the customers you're trying to attract, the reason you're not magnetic to the to the love and connection you're trying to attract, the reason you are not magnetic you know, um, to the healing and joy and peace that you are trying to attract is because you are disobedient somewhere in your life. And if you are struggling with health issues that are reversible, it's more than likely part that is more than likely part of the reason you cannot attract what you're looking for. You're on a very low, you're operating on a very low vibrational frequency, and that is hindering your, your ability, that is hindering your ability to vibrate at a higher frequency. Right. And then to become attractive to the universe and to abundance. I'm telling you, it's deep. Everything is interconnected. You cannot just walk around overweight all your life and think just because the doctor said your blood pressure was good or your cholesterol is good, that it's not having a negative impact. It's all connected, mind, body, spirit. And so you if you want all that you are praying for. Obedience is the answer. Obedience is payment for what you're praying for. Obedience is payment for what you're praying for. If you're like, you're on your knees every night, you're reciting the scriptures, you're in church every Sunday, but you're not getting what you want. I promise you, because y'all already know faith without works is dead, right? And so you got all the faith and you think you're doing the work, but you ain't eating right. You ain't drinking right. You ain't exercising, right? You, you're, not, you're not fully there. You're doing the work that comes easy to you. You got to do the work that's required, not what's desired. So obedience is payment for what you're praying for. So if you want to start, if you want things to start aligning in your favor and you become magnetic, then get in alignment through your obedience with your health. And stop and, and eradicate this belief system that it runs in my family. You know, everyone had it. It's not my fault. It's not my responsibility. It's just the cards I was dealt. I'm going to manage this chronic disease with medication um, like my mom did. That's not it. And, and remember, early on, I said that there is a small percentage of the population for whom some of these diseases do, the, do really run in their family. So you might say, Lisa, well, how do I know I'm not in that segment of the population, that one to two percent of the population for whom no matter what they do, their blood pressure is not going to go down? I'll tell you how you figure this out. The way you figure out whether or not your disease truly is genetic and nothing, not, not much that you can do about it is try doing everything you're supposed to do. 
Okay. Try doing everything you're supposed to do. So let's take type two diabetes. For example, let's say you say, listen, mom, dad, and aunties had type two diabetes, Lisa. I'm going to say, okay, here's what I want you to try and do. Okay. I want you to try adopting a whole food plant-based lifestyle, meaning eliminate all animal products and all saturated fat out of your diet. Eliminate all refined, concentrated sugar and sweeteners out of your diet. Drink the water you're supposed to be drinking and start exercising. And let's see if your A1C moves. If, If you do that consistently for 90 days and your A1C does not go down, right? Then I'll entertain the argument that what you're dealing with is genetic, but you don't get to just say it ran in my family whilst doing all the behaviors that causes type two diabetes. Make it make sense. That doesn't make sense, right? So if you, if you're, if you want to start, if you want to make that argument that this is just genetic and there's nothing I can do about it, just give me data to prove it. That's all I'm saying. Like come over here, do the work, go full out, do the work. Like Lisa, I done did everything under the sun and I can't get my blood pressure down. Then we'll talk. Then we'll talk about whether your condition is really genetic. But until then, it ain't your DNA. It's just being held hostage by belief systems and behaviors that have been passed down generation over generation, year after year, that more than likely you are passing down to your offspring. Maybe not with your words, but you're modeling the behavior. Right. So you want to watch that if you want to stop this in its tracks for your children and your grandchildren, then you need to model a different behavior. Make sense, y'all. OK, so Trap Kitchen Vegan said it's faucet water. OK, um, so yes, it can be the most ideal water to drink is um, spring water. So if you want to. Um, get the most bang from your buck from your water. You want to drink spring water that comes from a natural spring. It's going to have all the uh, high mineral content in it. But if all you have access to is faucet water, then drink what you have access to. Drink what you have access to. Okay. Um, Joyce Williams said uh, distilled water. I would disagree. Um, distilled water you is a great water to drink if you're doing a fast. Like if you're doing, let's say, a a three day, you know, I don't know, one week, one month fast, but the best water to drink is spring water. The reason distilled water is not ideal is because it's been stripped of everything. So it's stripped up the bad, but it's also stripped up the good. So we don't want dead water. We actually want living water. So distilled water is great for um, fasting state when you're cleansing the body, but then you're going to have to replenish all of those vitamins and minerals. So remember, if you're ever fasting or doing a detox, one of the biggest steps that people usually miss and skip is they detox, but they don't prioritize nourishment. So if you're going to strip the body of everything, you have to replenish. And so you have to immediately out of detox go into a nourishing regimen. Um, that's two of the biggest regimens we take our students through in farm to table. First they detox, then we go into a high state of nourishment. But distilled water is um, distilled water is just great for fasting, but that shouldn't be your everyday lifetime water. Okay. Any other questions, guys? Um, is faucet water stripped of all the good minerals? So faucet water 
Number one, it depends on your faucet because all of us live in different geographic locations where some of our geographical locations are known for having really good high quality water and some aren't. So this is the case where you might actually have to get um, a water filtration system or a testing system to see um, how many um, small particles are in the water um, and like do some research on your particular geographic location. Because um, I know like, for example, in Detroit, our faucet water is known for, for actually being really good. Right. So it actually depends on where you live, whether or not faucet water is OK. Um, but also you want if you're not sure or don't want to go through all that testing and research, um, just do a filtration. So so you can get a filtration system, you can get a filtered pitcher, you can get a filtration system on your refrigerator, a filtration system on your actual faucet. Um, you can get a filtered water bottle. You guys have seen um, water bottles that have filters in them. So um, that's what I would recommend. You can also, you know, feel free to buy, you can, if you want to buy um, alkaline water, if you want to buy um, RO water, reverse osmosis water, that's an option for you as well. But if you want the most, you know, um, economical choice, then a filtration, at home filtration system will be cool. If you're going to buy water, I recommend buying spring water. Okay. Any other questions, guys, before I hop off? Did that make sense today? Disease doesn't run in your family is being held hostage. I hope that resonated with some of you guys and, and made sense and helped you to start shifting whose responsibility it is to start getting healthy um, and start making the best decisions so that you can get in a place of um, radical obedience in your life so that you can start attracting all that you're looking for. Okay, is this another question? Um, nope. Um, okay. Joyce says she uses the Brita water pitcher. Yeah. I used to live, I used to use a uh, Brita religiously myself. I now have a filtration system on my, uh, in my kitchen, but yeah, I used to use Brita too. And, um, Brita is more like Brita and pure, um, filtration systems are like on the like lower, more, um, cost economical in, but there are filtration systems that can get up to literally hundreds and thousands of dollars. So if you're like really anal about your water and how it's filtered and what particles are in it and what aren't, then you can get like really fancy filtration systems. Brita is just one brand. It, it like the water filtration industry, <laughs> if you're not aware, is like pretty robust. Um, but yes, doing something like a Brita, just make sure you actually change the filters when you get that indicator, you know, on your device. That's one thing I had to make sure I stayed on top of. It's like actually changing it, you know, every, I think it was like two months or something, three months, whenever the light changed. Okay. Um, trap kitchen vegan says sugars and oil. What about it? Trap? What about it? Chef Joyce? Good. You change them often. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. What about sugar and oil? Cause you know, you get me talking about sugar and oil and I'm going to be on here all night and all day. And I don't know if y'all saw my post last night, but I got to get to Chipotle tonight because they owe me a bowl because they screwed up last night. So when, I'm hop up, when I hop up here, I'm driving to Chipotle and get my new dinner for tonight. But uh, uh, Chef Dunny, what about um, sugar and oil? You got a specific question? Anybody else? I don't see anything on Facebook. Um, oh, okay. Chef says he realized how much it was dehydrating him. Yes. So good. So when it comes to hydration, um, 
that's a great point to something to be aware of is that a lot of times we're like trying to change the quality of our water, not realizing that we are actually eating foods that's dehydrating us and preventing us to from feeling properly hydrated. You know how you could just drink water or just be like, I'm so thirsty, I'm so thirsty. And yeah, it could be the quality of your water because we know some of them low quality waters actually add sodium into the water so that you'll keep buying them, keep drinking them, like so unethical. But um, also, like Chef said, you know, your actual diet, if you consume sugar, two things that dehydrate you extremely, like significantly, is going to be sugar and caffeine. Those two things will dehydrate the heck out of you. So if you have a lot of sugar and or caffeine in your diet, I can almost guarantee you are chronically dehydrated and you have to change what you eat. It's not going to be a matter of just drinking more water. You actually have to change what you eat in order to begin be properly hydrated. So um, sugar and caffeine, I mean, even processed foods with a lot of sodium, you guys know this, is going to cause dehydration as well. Um, ca caffeine is a really big one. For you guys who are coffee drinkers or like um, really high caffeinated tea drinkers like black tea and stuff or matcha, the stuff with a whole bunch of caffeine in it, like caffeine dehydrate, dehydrates your body two to one. So what that means is like, let's say you have an eight ounce cup of caffeine, whatever your choice is, cup of coffee, cup of black tea, an eight ounce cup of pop, you know, soda, an eight ounce cup of caffeine is going to absorb approximately 16 ounces of water out of your body. So you have to like go crazy on the water if you're going to consume all that caffeine because it's dehydrating you like at an astronomical rate. Okay. Um, Joyce says, how do you know what foods does dehydrate you? Oh, um, yeah. So the better question is, is, is it what to eat to not be dehydrated is a shorter list, Joy, Joyce. So if you're eating foods that are preserved with a lot of salt, oil, and sugar, so this is like your pop processed packaged foods or um, foods that are flavored with a lot of salt, oil, and sugar. Like, let's say, you know, flavored nuts, for example. You know how you can get, like, chipotle or uh, uh, something like cashews or almonds. All of these foods that are flavored with salt, oil, and sugar, processed and packaged so that they have a long shelf life, are, are going to be extremely dehydrating. Also, you know, these foods that have a lot of colorants and food dyes in them. So one of the ways you increase hydration is by eating whole plant-based nourishing foods. So these are going to be your fruits, your vegetables, your nuts, your seeds, your legumes, and then of course drinking your water. So the foods that are going to be the most hydrating to the body, this is the simplest way to understand this. The foods that are going to be the most hydrating to the body are going to be fruits and vegetables. Why? Fruits and vegetables are nothing but structured water. Like an orange, an apple, a pear, watermelon, berries, um, mushrooms, broccoli. Think about it. If you put a like, especially vegetables, you ever just put vegetables in a really good nonstick pan so you don't add any oil, but you notice the water and moisture that it creates, that's literally the water that's in the food. Um, same thing with fruit. Fruit is so hydrating and so refreshing because it's like mostly water, upwards of 70, 80% water. So if you're struggling with dehydration, two things need to happen. One, you want to 
make sure you're drinking a minimum of half of your healthy body weight in ounces of water per day. The second thing that needs to happen is that you need to be consuming an adequate amount of fruits and vegetables on a, a on a daily basis. One of the things we tell our students in um, Farm to Table is, you know, like um, our students are required to drink half of their healthy body weight in ounces of water for the duration of the program and ideally for life. But some of our students like might have jobs. So they're like, least I'm a nurse. I'm working 16 hour shifts. Like I, I can't get all my water in. What should I do? Now, this is only if you can't get all your water in. Then we say, chew your water. What does that mean? Eat the fruits and vegetables. So you're supposed to be eating fruits and vegetables anyway, but I don't want people to think that if you're eating enough fruits and vegetables, you shouldn't be drinking your water too. But for individuals, or let's say you have like a, a, a crazy week where you're traveling that day and you're going to be on the road for hours, on the plane for hours. And if y'all like me, y'all don't want to use the plane bathroom. So I might not get all my water in that day in the liquid form, but I'm going to increase the fruits and vegetables that I have that day so I can chew my water. So I'm eating structured water. Fruits and vegetables are nothing but structured water. So that's those. That's how you increase your hydration and can increase your alkalinity. But what needs to happen along with that is in in addition to increasing the fruits and vegetables and drinking all of your water um, every day that you can, you also have to eliminate the stuff that causes dehydration. You can't just like throw two extra mandarins in your regimen, but still do like three cups of coffee a day. So you got to do the easy, the lighter work of adding more fruits and vegetables. And you got to do the hard work of eradicating the things that you have an addiction to, like the caffeine and the sugar and the oil. Um, <laughs> chef said, why don't you use the, the <laughs> bathroom on the plane? The same reason I don't be using bathrooms at strangers house. You can't, they can't be trusted. You know what I mean? So, um, come on now. Come on. They not safe. I'm, I'm like, I am an extreme germaphobe y'all. Like I am a germaphobe. Seriously. Like it's pretty bad like I get really grossed out by a lot of stuff like I think germs are any and everywhere all the time so um I don't I don't like to use the bathroom in places that I don't have to like if I can avoid it I will okay any more I don't see any questions on Facebook any more questions <laughs> I know porta potties airplane bathrooms is all disgusting it's all very disgusting so I try and, and that's you know what you know I'm so much of a germaphobe and I don't like using airplane bathrooms so much that's part of the reason I no longer um fly on early morning flights like I don't take early morning like I used to be one of those people who like book the earliest flight I want to have the whole day you know in that city I want to have that whole first day in Vegas I don't want to lose a day you know so if I'm flying out I don't know, to California on a Thursday, you know, I used to be that person that's on like a 7 a.m. flight because I want to get my whole, now I don't want to have to use the bathroom so much, but I also don't want to sacrifice one of my non-negotiables, which is drinking my water. So now I actually try not to book flights before noon so that I can spend the morning drinking all of my water and using the bathroom at home. <laughs> that's my like in-house strategy for uh, getting my water in when I travel and stuff. I literally don't book early morning flights anymore. It's like 12 o'clock or later. I'll pay for the extra day on the back end if I want more time in that city. 
And that way I can get my exercise in for that day, get my plants in for that day, drink, you know, have my healthy body weight in ounces of water, which for me is only like 70 ounces. So I can get it done really quickly uh, and then uh, get, you know, use the bathroom and then go to the airport. And it just feels so good because I done did all my non-negotiables for the day, my water, my fiber, my plants, use my own bathroom. And then it's smooth sailing. I don't have to drink anything for like the next six hours while I'm traveling if I don't want to. <laughs> So that's my cheat code. That's my cheat code. All right. All right. I think that's it. I don't see any more questions, guys. So listen, if you know you're out of alignment in your life, if you know that you are being disobedient and it's time to get in front of these chronic health challenges that are not truly a result of your DNA, but are just a result of your disobedience, then I want to invite you to apply for Farm to Table, my signature plant-based coaching program. It um, in winter 2022 enrollment is open just until Thursday. So a couple more days we'll be enrolling. So you can visit the link in my bio or lisaangelsmith.com forward slash work with me. Um, if you want to learn more, a little bit that I taught you today, uh, this is how hard I go inside of Farm to Table, teaching the science behind nutrition, helping you guys understand how to eat, how to drink, and giving you my personal cheat codes. Um, so that's lisaangelsmith.com forward slash work with me to apply for Farm to Table. And if you are a health coach or somebody who is in a health adjacent field, like a fitness instructor, uh, um, personal health coach yourself, a doctor, a nurse, um, a mental health provider, then you and you want to master plant-based nutrition and get certified in it so you can teach this content to your patients or your clients, then you want to apply for my certification, The Other 23, which can be found on the exact same website, lisaangelsmith.com forward slash work with me. I only have two signature programs, one for you if you just want to turn around your personal health, the other if you want to get certified by me in nutrition and coaching so that you can teach this content. Um, so enrollment is open for both programs until Thursday, January 20th, lisaangelsmith.com forward slash work with me to complete the application, hop on a suitability interview with me, learn more about both programs, or totally feel free to drop me a DM, y'all. Um, shoot me a DM and I'll be happy to chat with you and, and, you know, help to see if you are a good fit for the program in this particular season, because we have to start taking back the onus, taking back the responsibility um, of our own personal health. And um, if you know you can't do that by yourself or you've been trying to DIY it for far too long, then it's time to get a coach. Trust me, getting a coach was the best thing that ever happened to me and my health and my business and every area of my life. And so I know what it means to have that support. Um, Joyce says, how can I find out what all I am allergic to? I highly recommend um, a food sensitivity and a food allergy test, Joyce. Um, we have a company that we recommend to our students inside of Farm the Table. It's called Everly Well. And um, that is the company that I personally use to do a food sensitivity test. And it's really helpful to know these things, too, because a lot of times we'll think we have an allergy or a sensitivity to something. Um, that maybe we had years ago that doesn't exist anymore because our gut microbiome is different now um, or, you know, something that we have uh, gotten as an adult, like adult onset allergy or food sensitivities. And so um, I would recommend just, you know, doing a blood test and figuring it out. You can totally go to your doctor, too. You don't have to do like a at home test. But you can also find uh, these food sensitivity tests on like Groupon and things like this. They're very uh, common and they just send you the kit. And um, you literally just send your sample in. 
Um, Miss B says, how do we know if these testing companies are legit? Um, that you do at what's at your comfort level. If you feel like going to the doctor and having them take your blood and their lab is more legit, then do it that way. I felt really good about um, my results that I got from Everly Well, Miss B, because <clears throat> the reason I took the test in the first place is because I was having um, like bloating and like stomach issues after I ate uh, certain foods. And my, the test came back and showed that I had a mild sensitivity to lentils and chickpeas. And that was spot on accurate. Like every time I would eat some lentil soup or make my chickpea tuna, which I love chickpea tuna, but now I can't eat it like I used to because I'm like, dude, I used to eat this dish all the time. Now when I eat it, I'm like bloated for hours and my stomach hurts. And the food sensitivity came back and said, you have a mild sensitivity. So it's not an allergy, right? Like I don't swell up or, you know, I don't need, don't need an EpiPen, but it's a sensitivity. And so like, for example, I can sprinkle some chickpeas on a salad, but I can't eat a big bowl of chickpea tuna, which is nothing but chickpeas. And so for me, it proved to be spot on for my staff. Like I've had my staff take the test at Farm to Table. Their results were spot on as well. And so you, you know, do your own research on the company is what I would recommend and decide whether or not you like what they're saying, reading the reviews, things like this. Um, but if you don't feel like an at-home test is reputable, then totally go see an allergist or a doctor. But either way, I do recommend individuals um, get a food sensitivity or food allergy test, especially if you're moving, uh, moving toward adopting a whole food plant-based diet and you historically have had sensitivity issues because one of the hindrances for a lot of people on a plant-based diet is they're like, I can't eat this, this, and this. There's no, going to be nothing for me to eat on a plant-based diet. So let's just start off knowing you know, for certain what's in your wheelhouse and what isn't so that we can make proper dietary and meal planning decisions. That would be my recommendation. Okay. Um, Joyce says, I'm allergic to most fruits, lactose, and allergic to all of the medications, penicillin, and probably more. I hear you. I also have an allergy to penicillin. Um, I don't have a lactose allergy, but I also don't eat lactose because it's dairy, so I don't eat anything that comes from a cow. Um, but I totally, I totally get it because it's like, some people have like extreme sensitivities, but what's also key to note there is that um, a lot of times, sometimes these sens these sensitivities or even allergies are not a lifetime. Some like you're born with, like, okay, you can never touch nuts forever, but some are not. And so I would recommend getting tested every so often, once a year or so, depending on the severity of your allergies. Um, and, uh, and, and revisiting it because what happens is when you change your diet, your, the ecosystem, the, like the biological ecosystem of your gut changes. And so the biological ecosystem of your gut is called your microbiome. It's literally you house millions and trillions of bacteria in your gut and they change based on what you feed them. So when you, for example, remove animal products out of the diet, then your gut microbiome changes. So what was sensitive when you were eating like a junk food trash diet may not be sensitive once you start eating clean because literally your gut microbiome evolves. The bacteria that lives there evolves and they desire and require different foods as your diet changes. So I hope that helps. So. Any other questions, comments, guys?
Okay. <laughs> y'all said y'all saw my post last night about <laughs> Chipotle. Yeah. They owe me a whole bowl minus the steak, cheese, and sour cream tonight. Lord. Uh, <laughs> All right, so I don't see any more comments or questions, so I'm going to hop off. Listen, if you need a whole food plant-based health coach who is going to help you eradicate these markers of inflammation in your diet so that you can rid the body and the mind of these chronic health challenges and chronic diseases, then please visit LisaAngelSmith.com and let's work together and let's figure it out. Um, there is absolutely no need to suffer in silence. Um, or DIY this thing. Your health is too important for you to waste another week, month, or year trying to figure it out. Like there's some things that you can get multiple redos on, but the longer you put your body through chronic health challenges that it doesn't have to be going through, the more you increase the potential of, you know, irreversible uh, conditions and outcomes. And so let's stop that crap in its tracks. Let's get that extra weight off you. Um, you know, let's get that dysfunction, that inflammation out of your body. Um, and you can do that with a whole food plant-based lifestyle. So, um, but you do need a good coach to do it because it requires more than just removing animals out of your diet. It's much more sophisticated when you're doing it to eradicate disease. You can be vegan, just remove animal products, but then you can be whole food plant-based to eradicate chronic disease. And that's a very different process. All right. So LisaAngelSmith.com or just DM me and, you know, tell me what your challenges are, your issues are, and I'm happy to help you work through them. I'm out of here, y'all. Until next time. Good night.